Are you struggling in your faith? Are you pretending you're happy but stuck in a spiritual rut? Are you tired of listening to famous pastors and preachers who make it sound so easy? Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Protestant and Catholic voice in America. I talk about the important things that nobody else is talking about, like how to align with God's plan for your life, because I believe this is where 90% of Christians get stuck. And I tackle the negative self-talk that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are brave Protestants and Catholics who share their struggles, their fears, and their daily holy habits that help them win in their spiritual lives. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist and a spiritual coach to Christian business owners and CEOs who are married with children. This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Perry Marshall. Uh, now, you may recognize his name one for one reason. He was on my other show, Your First 100K. That's my business show, Top 100 Podcasts and Entrepreneurship. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it, would you? Make some more money so you can have more impact in the world. Okay, you can find Perry at perrymarshall.com. Now, Perry is one of the most expensive business strategists in the world. He is endorsed by Forbes and Inc. Magazine and has authored eight books. At London's Royal Society, he announced the world's largest science research challenge, the $10 million Evolution 2.0 Prize. His reinvention of the Pareto Principle is published in Harvard Business Review. And his Google book laid the foundation for the $100 billion pay-per-click industry. This guy is a pioneer. But we're not here to talk about his business achievements today, BC Nation. Today, we're going to speak about his spiritual journey and how he's just like you. He's just like me. He struggles just like the rest of us. Where does faith play into all these achievements? We're going to talk about that. So Perry Marshall, welcome to Broken Catholic, uh, number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Go ahead and take a quick minute, fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Well, I love the name of your podcast. What a great, great, like it just conjures up all sorts of, and it's a little disarming, Right. So uh, it's not like, you know, it's not the perfect Catholic podcast. I could go find that guy. He's somewhere around. Just me. imagine the lady that runs that thing, you know, like. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, and I, I'm a pastor's kid. I uh, grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska, super conservative, um, uh, four, four and a half point Calvinist, uh, you know, like that, like super doctrinal. I mean, Martin Luther wasn't like top of the stack, but he was somewhere up there. Right. And, and, you know, all those Catholics there, you know, let me tell you all the stuff that they're all wrong about. And uh, I have, um, I've loosened up quite a bit. In fact, I don't even know how many books behind me here are you know have strong catholic roots whether it's augustine or aquinas or you know like uh so yeah i'm just delighted to be having this conversation and uh there's a lot of territory to cover so yeah where, where would you like to go 
Let's get into it. You know, you brought up something pretty funny, though. I, I agree with you. Uh, I have a lot of Protestant friends, a lot of Catholic friends, and equally on both sides, uh, I, I've, I've heard Protestants like just bash the Catholics. It's like the redheaded stepchild of all the yep. Christian denominations, right? Just an easy target. The media plays into it, etc. Yes. And yet, in the, the next breath, they are quoting uh, Catholic writers, uh, Catholic uh, saints, uh, you know, and, and they're, they're, they're even to the point, like you can go to some Protestant services and they're following the Catholic church calendar <laughs> verbatim. Right. And pulling it off like they're coming up with it. Yeah. And I'm just like, come on, give credit where credit's due, people. You don't have to agree with anything. You don't have to confer it. But why not raise each other up oh, so yeah. we raise the water and all the ships rise? Perry, what's our problem? What do you think? Well, um, <laughs> I have a friend who um, he converted. He was an evangelical Christian, uh, went to seminary, and he was a pastor. And they wanted to ordain him. He's like, well what does that mean? Is that just like a piece of paper? Like they have a PDF thing and, and they stick it in the printer and they just give me a piece. Of, like, what is this? And he's, he's, and he came to the conclusion, well, this is supposed to be a fatherly authority that is conferred to you that came from someone that came from someone that came from someone that goes like all the way back to Jesus. Like as he, like put the pieces together. That's what it should be. And so as a result of all of that, he ended up converting to Orthodox hmm. because he said, well, Orthodox is really the original mothership and which there's an argument for that. Hmm. And, and, he, and he, what he said to me was super interesting. He said, ever since Luther, Protestants have had schism in their DNA. And every time they disagree about the color of the paint or the theology or whatever, they start, then, then it's the second reformed church. And then it's the third reformed church. And then there's the fourth reformed church. And like, literally, if you go to Western Michigan, you'll find towns with the first, the second, the third and fourth reformed church. And like, you could take betting odds on. So what do you suppose was the thing that they split over was it what flavor of barbecue they were having at the picnic or was it like something about women or, or what? Right. And, um, and, and so it's like, well, what, what is it that you think churches or that church is or a church is, do you think it's this tribe of people that all allegedly agree? Um, like, is, is that what it is? Is it, like the biggest movement in, in history, you know, that started 2000 years ago. And like, we're all part of the same movement. And th these actually aren't very easy questions to answer because, because as soon as you ask a question like, okay, well, who are the real questions and who aren't? Well, you know, you got to define what is Christian. Yeah. Like you have to have some kind of a definition. That's Otherwise right. every, every you know, otherwise my dog's a Christian, right? And so it's it's not like these things are are easy. 
Um, but I, I guess I would say the core problem is, is that we bring our tribal instincts like our, you know, sort of like evolutionary caveman, you know, mm. he part of my tribe, she not part of my tribe, he kill me, she not kill me, you know, grog beats grog over the head with a rock kind of, st- you know, this, this starts going and, and. Yeah. And, and, and so, um, and all, like all of us have those primal instincts. And mm. in fact, I, I think the best way to un, even understand what, what did Christ come here to do? He came here to give us a cultural alternative to that old, old, I mean, it's a billion year old narrative because what, the Christian story is, is it's, it's actually completely illogical in a sense. Okay. What what do I mean by that? It is completely illogical to die for somebody. Mm -hmm. Okay. It is completely illogical to love your enemy. It's completely illogical to propose that all human beings are equal. Do you realize that before Paul said that all humans are equal in Galatians 3.28, I don't think anybody in the ancient world, I don't even think it occurred to them that we could all be equal. (laughs) It wasn't even in the consciousness. People are so clearly and obviously and manifestly unequal, there's nothing to argue about. You got powerful people, you got slaves, you got healthy people and athletes, you got crippled people, you've got all ranges of mental abilities, you've got all ranges of artistic abilities, you've got all ranges of political power, you've got all ranges of, you know, what family did they come from, and do they have wealth, and do they own land? The ancient world is utterly, completely unequal, and Christ comes along. The the Sermon on the Mount is the original counter-Darwinian manifesto. Well, we're not going to do it that way anymore. And as illogical as it is, it's also irresistible. I like what you're saying here, right? Jesus was a contradiction to the world. And as Christians, we're called to be contradictions to worldly wisdom, which is exactly what you're saying. But then you say there's a problem there. Like it's in our DNA to be divisive. Yeah. Like it's in our DNA. And 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 I believe back if we go back to Genesis it wasn't. Right? It wasn't. We were one with the Father, right? We were all together in the garden. He was walking with us. And then we bought the lie of the other father, the father of all lies, and inherited that root divisiveness into our very identity yeah and then generationally all the way down here we are and then we adopt a new you know i don't want to like pick on anybody but yeah 500 plus years ago right we get uh luther come in and he's like hey the pie is not divided enough Let's divide it into 40,000 plus slices just to create a little more confusion for everybody. Obviously, that was not his intentions. He had good intentions and there were real problems in the church. However, I believe the enemy manipulated that good intention in him to really carry out his plan of divisiveness 
in the Christian church, in the body of Christ. And now here we are all just kind of hating on each other, you know, over high level theology, which at the end of the day, we're just doing spiritual pride. We're saying, I understand Jesus is teaching better than you. I live it better than you. Who are you? God, thank you for not making me like this little old lady over here in the temple, right? And we're doing the same thing just over and over and over again. All right, so now we know the problem, people. We know the problem. All right, but before we get to the solution, Perry, I want to deep dive into your personal journey. Now, growing up, right, Calvinist, yes? Yes. Um, And then early teen years into college years, a lot of Christians just fall away. Mm -hmm. They get into these, uh, you know, professors' classrooms in the college systems, atheists and skeptics, and and they, they just get pulled away with all these arguments that they're not prepared to defend. Yeah. And they they buy into the that confusion and that lies, and they just say, you know what, it's easier just to go with the flow. I don't want to be a salmon going upstream anymore. Did that is that kind of how your journey looked like, or was it different? Did you stay aligned throughout the college years? Walk us through that story. I stayed reasonably aligned. I was, I was a little too educated to just fall for whatever the first professor was trying to tell me. Um, but I, I definitely had a lot of questions and my, my questions really came to a head when I was in my early thirties and my brother had a seminary degree and moved to China. He was a missionary and I was a business guy and Brian, Brian started unraveling. Uh, Brian, Brian started figuring out, Hey, Hey, wait a minute. Uh, the, the, the earth is not 6,000 years old. Uh, Hey, wait a minute. Like, like all these things started coming up and he started asking me questions and, and I, I, I went to visit him in China and I didn't realize until I got there, Brian had departed from Christianity. He like literally just didn't believe it anymore. And he told me so. And then we started arguing. And that's that's really when I had to go like digging. And um, and that digging pulled up stuff like from all across church history. And one of the things, my, my brother-in-law has a PhD in theology, in church history, actually. Uh, and he, he said, he said, you would be hard-pressed to think of a question that people weren't asking 500 years ago. And like every time, like any, you bring up anything that you could think of, it could be abortion, it could be uh, like f- making Frankenstein, it could be like, just pick any topic that you want to think about. And he'll, he'll say something like, oh yeah, the first people to seriously write about though that were the B- Benedictine monks of 860 in Southern France or, or Don Catholics. Right. And then, and then, and then, and then it came up again in the 1300s and then these people mm-hmm. wrestled with it. And then like, and, and, and I started to realize that, um, it's well. G.K. Chesterton, uh, who who was a Catholic, said, uh, "News is old things happening to new people." Yeah, <laughs> uh, and and um, and so when when you have 
a long perspective on humanity and questions. It really calms your mind mm-hmm. quite a bit. There's nothing and, new under the sun. And it, it diminishes your your hubris yeah. about of thinking, oh, like, well, I'm the first person to have figured this out. Well, not only are you not the first person to have figured this out, you're about like number 1,775 or 100,775. And there's at least five other positions that a significant number of people have held that are completely the opposite of what you just said. And there may, I don't know, knock on wood, maybe some reasons for that. And, and I've come to believe that the, the conclusions that you come to in these discussions are not nearly as important as the exercise of twisting the Rubik's cube and coming to understand if I go to this weird verse in judges somewhere and I interpret it differently, look at all the little dominoes. It's like changing a a cell in a spreadsheet where all these other cells start flipping. Um, In fact, I think the sharpest, brightest, most intellectually able people that I know are people, they have become so, um, so accustomed to doing this sort of thing that it's just natural and they can see 64 different ways the, the, to lay out the situation. And, and so like back to my brother, hey, he learned Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and he studied the Old Testament, New Testament inside and out. When all of a sudden we're trying to, it's 2003 or four or five, and we're trying to figure out Google AdWords. He's like, this stuff is easy. This isn't like Google ads versus systematic theology. Like, which do you think is more complicated? Okay. And and so actually, if I even find that people with those kind of backgrounds, if they can there's a learning curve and there's a, mm-hmm. there's an adaptation, but if, if they can make the jump yeah, to yeah. business or to science or whatever the field mm-hmm. is, they're usually very adept. And if, furthermore, if you've made that jump once and you're like, Hey, that worked out making it more times into more areas and more fields, it starts to become a thing. And then it, that's, that's what the, some of those brilliant people I know, that's exactly what they do. That makes a lot of sense. So I definitely believe critical thinking is a process that you're describing of thinking through all yeah. different assumptions to create different conclusions uh, is a transferable skill, mm-hmm. right? Right. You can use that as an asset in multiple industries. Well, look, I, I think one of the most, the only story that we have from Jesus' childhood, other than the baby stuff, mm-hmm. one story. He's this Passover. They've lost track of him. Three days looking for him. He's in the temple. What is he doing? He is debating Torah with the smartest rabbis in the world. Only story we have about Jesus. And it, it, it doesn't really explain what he was doing, but if you're Jewish, you, you get it. He was twisting the Rubik's Cube. 
Mm. So he was creating new possibilities, new assumptions for them to draw new conclusions. Yes. And then you fast forward 30 years and he's saying stuff like, well, Moses told you you could get a divorce, but that was because of the hardness of your heart. The real truth is if you lust after a woman, you're committing adultery. Like you would go into all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like he, he was understanding the, the, the intention behind the law. Yes. He, he, he had twisted the Rubik's cube to such a degree that he could pull the rug right underneath the most learned men in the land. Mm. Mm. Good stuff. I like this. This is a very interesting conversation to me. However, I am going to segue us. <laughs> <laughs> so Perry, bring us to present day. Okay. You've achieved so much in the eyes of the world. Uh, you've accumulated financial wealth, uh, incredible accolades from peer groups, etc. And I'm not inflating your tires right now. I'm just saying what's so. This is what God has given you in your life. Where has God played into uh, your achievement? Um, and what do you struggle with when it comes to bringing your faith into your achievement or taking credit of like, hey, I did this, I worked for this, I went to that school, I learned this, that's why I got this result versus, you know what, all the gifts and talents within me that I've been able to use have been given to me by God. And without that gift, I would have nothing. Where are you in that spectrum? Perhaps the most important conversation I had in my career was uh, 18 years ago. I was... I had read Richard Kosh's 80-20 book, and it, he, he made this comment about chaos theory, which I made a connection. I'm like, oh, wait a second. Are you saying 80-20 is chaos theory? And, and I, I fell over this rabbit hole, and I was trying to figure out, out a math equation. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. That means 80-20 is like a formula for cause and effect. Oh my goodness, that's profound. What's the formula? So I, I was working on the formula all day. And the other thing that had happened was I had had one of these caveman discovers fire moments that a lot of entrepreneurs have sooner or later. Well, oh, oh my goodness, I just did something and it actually worked and I made money. And could I use this to help this project in Mozambique? It was a missions project. And so I was obsessing about these two questions and I, I was at this church service and they're playing this music and I'm in La La Land and I'm thinking about calculus and I'm thinking about Mozambique and I look up and this woman is making a beeline for me. I've never seen her in my life. She's African-American. She sticks out her hand and she goes, hi, my name is Vivian and the Lord gave me a word for you. I had heard of things like this. It never happened to me. And I thought, well, this should be interesting. And she goes, the Lord told me that you're very good at math and you're working on some kind of equation, some kind of formula, some kind of invention, and you're going to figure it out. And I look around and I do math. And the math is what are the chances that anybody in a music service on a Friday night is working on a math problem? And what are the chances that she got me on the first try so like she really had my attention. Then she turned around and started walking away. And then she spun around and she goes, oh, and he told me something else too. You want to support missions and God 
is going to bless your business so you can support missions. And I just stared at her with my mouth open and I was on the edge of tears. And all I could manage to say was, if only you knew. And she goes, he knows, points her finger up in the air and just walks away. <laughs> and so that was my first prophetic experience. I've never had that happen before. It shook me to the core. It was like, dude, like if there was ever something to pay attention to, it's that. And well, so two things happened from that. Number one, a few months later, um, I, I had this speaking engagement to talk about Google ads. And I wrote a book, which has become the best-selling book on Google advertising. And Google went supernova, like all together. And the other thing was I did figure out the 80-20 formula. And it's part of my 80-20 book. It got published in the Harvard Business Review. And basically, my whole career was launched from a, as it, as it is now, like before that I was a freelance marketing consultant. There's like a million of those. Okay. Hustling and doing some client projects and stuff. And I get thrust onto a world stage. I know that God put me there. Okay. I know that if I didn't listen to a prophetic word and I'm like, well, I just, and some people do this, they're like, well, I just think that's that was a coincidence, and I don't want to deal with that. Some people do that, and then who knows what would have happened. So I, it's like I know that God did something, and I was thrown a touchdown pass. Mm. And, well, several things about that. First of all, the reason that you practice in anything is so that you're ready for a touchdown pass when it comes. And the second thing is you don't know when a, a touchdown pass is going to come. Okay. And then when you run for the touchdown, you kind of have to remember that somebody threw it to you. And like this, like life isn't this thing that you do by yourself. And so, you know, there's that verse, you know, to him who much is given much is required. And so, you asked me like, well, what, what do you struggle with or what are the frustrations? I think for me, the frustrations is there's always waiting. There's like, like whatever you're doing in your life, there's always this flurry of motion and like things make progress. And then there's the plateaus and the plateaus could last two hours or two years or two decades or too long. Or too long, <laughs> right? And I mean, I get a bunch of those, right? I'm like, well, okay. So, all right, uh, I, I was supposed to do this and I was supposed to do this. So here I am and now what? I mean, there you go. That's like the frustrations of daily life. Like we can all see like a hundred miles further than what we've done. I mean, I guarantee you, Tiger Woods does not wake up in the morning and go, I am such an awesome golfer. No, Tiger Woods is acutely aware of his limitations. And he's acutely aware of the stuff that he doesn't know how to do. And he's acutely aware of his plateaus. And just because you think he's awesome doesn't mean he's having a good day. So true. 
Okay, so... There you are, going backwards just a little to unpack something you said. There you are, you get this prophetic word from a total stranger walking across the room to you. And then some time goes by, you solve the Rubik's Cube, you get launched onto the world stage. Is this, were either of those outcomes or results something you had been praying for, asking God for? to throw you a touchdown pass or were you just going about your small goals in your small life, thinking small of yourself, so to speak, as many of us do without this grand vision of ever being used by God in such a powerful way. That's a great question. I practice Um, this. I, I had big ambitions. I, I felt like, dude like so just think conversation inside the head of a you know 30 year old guy who's got a couple of kids in diapers and is like frantically hustling to you know like probably almost any 30 year old guy is and there's all there's kind of this ongoing sense of a tap on the shoulder like you need to make something you need to seriously make something of your life and you need to be a leader and you need to accomplish something and you know and there there's all these little aspirations and you know, you see people you admire and you're like, well, I want to do that or I want to do something like that or I want to be a lot. I mean, we've all got a list of people that we think are super awesome, right? Whether it's some YouTuber or a book we read or, 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 or somebody we know, you know, like, wow, you know, I'd love to be like that guy. And, and you know, and see, like, and, and there was there was usually almost really almost always a part of me that was roiling with frustration. Like, especially before I hung out my shingle, when I was in the Dilbert cube, it's like, I've got to get out of this place. I mean, I, I, I even like my job. These are nice people and this it's, it's pleasant enough work. And, 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 and some days it's really fun here, but like, I've got, to like, I've got to do my own thing. Like, just like, no, it's like, you have to be in this building at eight o'clock in the morning and you need to be here till five. And if you want to get in your car and drive somewhere, like you got to tell somebody or ask permission or like, I just like, it, it drove me crazy. Right. And, and so, um, yeah, it wasn't just, well, I was just minding my own business. Um, I mean, I guess I don't, maybe a lot of people are just minding their own business. I'm not too sure, but I wasn't. So to clarify, you didn't pray for God to raise you up to big, powerful things. You just had this inner whisper prompting that you were called to do something more meaningful Uh, with your life. Well, I, I, okay. I did, but you don't, then you don't know, like, how that's going to turn out. You don't, you don't know what, well, I don't know what, how God wants this to go. Like mm-hmm. I just, 
So, um, I mean, I, I knew that I was a teacher. I knew that I was a writer. I knew that I was a visionary. I knew that, uh, I mean, for mostly for a long time, it was, I, I know what I don't want that when that story happened, I was right in the transition of starting to think more like, what do I want? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it was, it was still like, I was still working it out. Yeah. Got it. Well, I'm sure many of my listeners can resonate with where you were back then because that's where they find themselves now. So bringing us up to present day in Perry Marshall's life, here you are with all this platform that you can use in any which way you choose. How do you use your current platform successes, achievement, authority to glorify God, to build his kingdom here on earth? A really good example would be the most recent book I released called Memos from the Head Office. And that, yes, that, and that, that, there it is. And that story about Vivian, you know, the black lady who reads me my mail, like total stranger. I had no idea who this person was. That was a memo from the head office. And so BC Nation, if I could pause you right there, BC Nation, I just want to give you context. So Perry is referring to memos as a quiet whisper from God, from heaven, from the divine, and the head office is heaven or God or the divine. Yeah. So when you get a memo, you get that little prompting when you know you should make that right choice, but you avoid it anyway. You may call it your conscience. Well, who gave you your conscience? Come on, it's tomato, tomato, okay? But like, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about the quiet, still voice that the Bible speaks about. That's what uh, uh, Perry is referring to. Perry, please continue. Thanks. Yeah, and and sometimes like it's one thing is if it's your conscience, but in the book, I'm not really talking about your conscience. I'm talking about those distinctly like you get a message of something you couldn't have possibly known. Okay, like how on earth would this woman possibly know that this kid over here? is working on a math problem, but she was told she was given that information and she was told what to do with it. So this is a book of stories like this. And the book is the, the most important thing about this book is it's a demilitarized zone. Mm -hmm. It's like the strip of land between North and South Korea. It's kind of like if you have a Protestant Catholic conference and everybody's going to get together and everybody's going to set aside their egos and try to understand each other. Like that's the idea of a DMZ. And I felt like I need to take this. I need to take it from a Christian context and reframe it into anybody, Buddhist, Mormon, Hindu, Jehovah's witness, agnostic, new age, whatever, Muslim could read this book and understand God or like that, that word is loaded and, and, and charged with electricity and has all kinds of bad connotation to some people. How about, could we all agree at least that something very great and majestic is behind all of this and 
can we all agree that if we if we could tap into what is that intention for us, we would all be better off. Buddhist, Catholic, Christian, Protestant, Hindu, can we at least agree on that? And to the Christians in the audience, can we also agree that the biblical stories clearly tell us that there are no limits on who God can't talk to? Nebuchadnezzar has his dream. Potiphar's wife has a dream. Oh, sorry, sorry. Pilate's, Pilate's mm -hmm. wife. Like, don't hurt that guy. <laughs> okay. Like, what religion was she? Well, she sure wasn't a Christian and she sure wasn't a Jew, right? And there's Balaam and there's, there's, uh, there's Cyrus, like there's, Isaiah gives prophetic words to Cyrus, you know, this is, you know, the Lord's anointed, right? Like this guy is going to be going to rebuild Jerusalem. Okay. And so God can talk to anybody and you could have all kinds of garbage and baggage about God, but let's call it the head office. If you get a memo from the head office, if, if, if heaven breaks through into your mundane world a little bit and you feel the presence of the spirit well if you want to hang on to that memory you'll never forget it now some people also go the other way they're like you know i just don't want to think about that i'm going to wall that off i'm just going to and and they they can't ignore it but if 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 you if you grab onto it and own it you'll never be the same. Mm. So Perry, I definitely get the wisdom in creating a DMZ, as you call it, demilitarized. Uh, you know the word. Okay, I'm not even going to say it, okay? But that's what I do here with this show. Yeah. Right? Exactly Between Protestants and Catholics. Yeah. It's like I create a space where both can learn from each other. And yes. grow together, okay? So yes. I, I, I see the huge value in that. Now, some would argue, and you've heard them argue with you already, I'm sure, I'm certain of it, that Perry, couldn't you still do that and at the same time keep it Christian so that God is being glorified and not some spirit or source or some other new agey type of term that people could misconstrue as not the one God, but one of many gods that are there just to serve them in their life? So that's the appendix. I, uh, it's in the appendix. like, And it says throughout the book, if you would like to know my personal views, go to appendix one, and I'll talk to you about that. And I have found, I did this in the Evolution 2.0 book too. Um, I found that if you have a topic that is of interest to the lots of people from lots of different walks of life, and there are aspects of the topic that are dicey, that are your personal views, like people do want to know what they are, but they don't want them to be shoved into their face. Mm -hmm. If you put it in the appendix and you say, <clears throat> go to appendix one, it to most people, an appendix feels like, like bonus material in the book where the and, the and the author is free to speak informally or personally. And, and so that's what I did. And so like, everybody knows I'm a Christian. And, but I think it's very important. I learned, let me tell you where I really learned this. 
I learned this when I went to a mega church called Willow Creek, the first 10 years that I lived in Chicago, it's a very famous, huge church. Willow Creek had this very, very interesting model that people have heard of, but I don't think really have appreciated for what it really was and is. And, and so traditionally churches are like, well, there's believers and there's unbelievers. You're in or you're out. And Willow Creek created a demilitarized zone. They created a third category and it was called seeker. So there's believers, there's seekers, and there's unbelievers. And in the seeker, they, they, they created these rules, but they created an entire culture around this. And the culture was, if you come in this building in, or, or this community or to any of our activities and you identify as a seeker, that means a bunch of things. It means you are exploring and you are searching and you're curious and you haven't come to your conclusions yet. And it means everybody is expected to respect your process. And nobody is allowed to condemn you or judge you. Rather, we celebrate you because it takes courage to seek. If you're a Muslim or a Jew or a whatever, and you come into this building, it takes courage for you to not be like singing this on, you know, on the same, out of the same songbook as everybody else. And so we will grant you that space and we welcome you here. I ran a seeker small group, which is basically a Bible study for people who are in the DMZ. We had the most thrilling, fascinating, fun, dangerous, crazy conversations you could imagine. It was thrilling. May I ask, Perry, I noticed that you got choked up as you were sharing that. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't either. Would you be willing to share with us what choked you up about the seeker category and speaking of that? Okay, so... I'm a search engine guy, right? Google. We could call that a seeker. Okay, just think, because all of us, just in our own lives, all of us do this. Think how many questions you've typed into a search engine box that you'd be too embarrassed to say out loud. Okay. Um, You know, I get this horrible itch on my balls. You know, you're, you're not... You're not going to, like, say that to the checkout lady at Walgreens. <laughs> For all our children listening to this family show, Perry's referring to this nasty itch on your basketballs, tennis balls, baseballs, etc. Please continue. <laughs> okay, so we have these entire categories of things in all sorts of departments of our lives that we we would love to read a book about, or we would, but we're afraid to have a conversation about, and there's all this shame and everything. We don't want to be judged for where we are for questioning. Yeah. Now look, you know, there's urologists who see this stuff every day. It's nothing to them, right? 
it doesn't even raise their heartbeat by one beat to, to like get into a conversation about that. Right. But, but there's only certain people. Okay. And what I got emotional about was that these conversations have become so politicized and so balkanized um, and people are so obsessed with ramming their, their canned answer down somebody's throat that it kills the inquiry. Yes. And, and so when, when I was leading this group, I, I had people training me and they said, Perry, like, now you gotta remember where I came from. I came from Bible answer, man. I came from theology central. I came from, we have all the exact answers, Bill. I come to the seeker group and they're telling me when they ask you a question, you have to do what Jesus did and ask him a question back. You don't get to answer. If you answer by, by the time you've answered four questions that you volleyballed with back and answer, you will have killed the conversation and you won't even know it. And then I tried it and it was right. I Bible answer me in the back and I tell them the answer and they're like, yeah, I don't have any more questions. And what it means is you just killed my curiosity and I'm going to go watch CNN now. Mm. Okay. What, what I learned was they asked me a question. I need to answer a question with a question. I need to send it back to them. Well, do you think, and like, just, and keep and And then what would happen is it would just keep going and, and it would get bigger. And it was like that gyro would mm -hmm. pick up in speed and they would get hungrier and it would drive them back. They're like, well, what, what was Jesus trying to say? Cause Jesus is pretty like, he's a pretty perplexing guy most of the time. Right. And, and so I just, I, yeah. What was I feeling? I was feeling like what happens when you unkill all of that curiosity? My word. Yeah. So it was, it was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. And it, it gave me an innate sense. But one of my, one of my business coaches said to me a couple of years ago, she goes, I was telling her about the secret groups. And she goes, oh, so like your entire business culture is just like one big seeker group. And I'm like, well, now that you say it, um, yeah, that's kind of exactly what it is. You're brilliant. Mm. Okay, so here you are. Um, this memo is from the head office. BC Nation, I just want to share something with you. So since I had Perry on my other show, my business show, Your First 100K, um, I read his book, his entire book that he mailed to me. And uh, in it, uh, it led me to his website, which I followed, which then led me down the rabbit hole of something he called uh, Sozo Sessions. Oh. which are guided prayer sessions with God based on your beliefs. And uh, he had recommended people that facilitate those sessions. And Perry, you do not know this, mm. but I hired uh, one of your recommended, 
the one one of the the gals that you use personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I invested hundreds of dollars into her service for this uh, ninety minute or two hour session. Yeah. And BC Nation, I could tell you what happened, and and that was something I promised uh, to do was to share the outcome or the results. I got on that session, on that call, completely skeptical. Uh, Even though I have had what you call memos from the head office in my holy hours, my quiet time with God, where he's revealed things that I could never make up with my own brain. Answers to questions from childhood that I've been looking for for 30, 40 years, and they were answered in under 60 minutes. So I know it was from God. So I'm, I'm in this Sozo session, this prayer session, and this lady starts facilitating a conversation between me and God. And she's just the narrator, so to speak. And Perry, it was fascinating because the things she started to uncover and, and show me were lies, lies from the enemy that were still in me, that I had done a ton of inner work, um, to get rid of, and I had removed 90-something percent of them. Well, it turns out they were still some skidoos, some residue of the lies still present in my brain that was holding me back, and God wanted it out of me. And I remember three different lies came up that God showed me in that, that time, Perry. I won't say what the lies were, but as they came up, my face started to leak uncontrollably actually to the point where I was embarrassed because she could see me on the video zoom call. And I, I literally said that I don't know why my face is leaking right now. I've already gone through this healing process on these three things. And all I could draw out of it or conclude was that there was still more God wanted out. And this was the final release So I accepted it, right? And then she moved me into a physical healing, which I have never experienced before in my life. I look at a lot of that as weird in the Christian space. Um, Though I believe God can do it, I, I, I don't believe in the people sometimes that he may choose to do it, if that makes sense. Right. And she led me through this physical healing around my neck and shoulders that uh, I had locked up stiffness, tension, stress uh, for the past three years from a car accident when someone ran in front of me and I T-boned them. Uh, they, they cut through a, a green light on my end and uh, they wrecked my, uh, my beautiful MR2 Spider convertible. Cherry red fire engine med. I miss that car, Perry. I miss it. And they totaled it, but I got whiplash, severe whiplash. And I, it caused me three years of physical therapy, chronic pain, uh, loss of work, etc. And here's this lady facilitating a physical healing, guiding me through God healing my body. And Perry, <clears throat> she said, and I'm summarizing here, but she said, uh, Joseph, we just, God just healed your body. Your homework assignment is to believe that he actually did it. Mm-hmm. And I'm putting my own language here because your brain does not believe that you can be healed by God. It doesn't believe that God will heal you. And if he did or does, it doesn't believe it's lasting. It will last. It will come back. And sure enough, Though I felt my whole neck release 
right in that session. And I was like, something is happening. I can't describe it, but stuff is happening in my physical body. Go God. The next morning I woke up with my neck all stiff and tense and my brain kicked in. See, it was just a lie. It didn't really happen. It just felt good, etc. And I took it to God, Perry. And I'll wrap up the story here, BC Nation, because I know this is touching some of you right now who have lost faith that God can actually heal you from whatever it is you're afflicted with, physical, spiritual, emotional, relational. And I, 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 I took it to God in my holy hour and I said, God, didn't you heal me? And he shared with me that he did heal me, but I needed to believe that was the other requirement. I must believe that I was healed. And then he showed me the, the biblical stories of how three things are required for a healing when God did a healing. First was God's presence. He was present with them, the person. Second is God's power. It was his power that healed them. Even the woman with hemorrhaging, power left him. He asked, turn to the crowd, who touched me? And then the third was their belief. They believed they were going to be healed if they just but touched him. These are the three requirements. And, And Perry, man, I went back and I was like, that's it. I believe, I believe, I believe. And... Every single morning I woke up and I said something out loud. God gave me the words. And it was, I have been healed by the hand of God. And by his power, I have been set free. I have been healed by the hand of God. And by his power, I have been set free. I have been healed by the hand of God. And by his power, I have been set free. And I said this out loud three times every day in the shower since. And my body has been healed ever since. The pain has not returned. And I share that because there's someone in, in the audience right now who does not believe that God will heal them because they've been praying, 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 praying. And they've gone and been touched and healed and all this other stuff. And then it came back. No. Remember this. Every person in the Bible that Jesus healed, it says he healed them. It does not say that he started the healing process with them. Mm. It says he healed them, meaning it was completed. It was done. It was finished. Now it was only up to them to believe. Wow. And if they didn't believe, it would come back because the lies would enter back in. And then their physical body would create that manifestation. Mm-hmm. Perry, that was a whole lot I just shared, brother. That was beautiful and unexpected and delightful. Go God. Wow. How does this tie into your memos from the head office, the Sozo sessions, and we'll wrap up the conversation right on this point, whatever you make. Um, Well, a Sozo session is really just a, it's a facilitated, a Sozo facilitator is somebody who gives you a question to ask God, but does not give you the answer because they're, they're going to pull that answer out of heaven into your head. Like when you, when you're, when you do a Sozo session, they'll say, they might even do repeat after me, like in the like, well, where were you when my mother was hitting me when I was four years old and you'll get an answer directly. They're not, they're not giving it to you. They're, 
they're they're pulling it out of you they're pulling it out of heaven and and so if they're doing it right they can't really cheat like they Correct. can't impose their will on the situation all they can do is facilitate and so like um like uh joseph my my mom suffered from bipolar with mild schizophrenia for decades yeah. And my mom was like a radio station, like mostly tuned off the station. And like some days it'd be on the station and some days she's in La La Land. And, and um, I, I flew a Sozo facilitator to Nebraska and went into the, um, the memory care facility that my mom was living in. And I dropped her off and I left and I came back three or four hours later and my mom looks up and she, I walk in the room and my mom has the brightest smile. She goes, Margaret talks to God. This is amazing. And, and then Margaret says, yeah, you know, we, we cleared out this and we forgive these people. And we, we latched on to like a, a, a space that your mom can, can check into. Like anytime she feels stressed, we got a little channel. She can check in with God. And I, the next day I had the best conversation I had had with my mom in five years and she was completely clear. And when my mom died, I sent Margaret a note. I said, thank you for making the last three years of my mother's life tolerable because you literally got rid of like the bottom third of the muck in my mom's lake was just gone. It wasn't all gone. It wasn't all fixed, but man, she was, she was significantly better. And God did that. Yes, he did. Go God is my my term, my hashtag. Go God. So Perry, I went on. I was so inspired by that healing that I started studying Sozo and researching it all. Right, had a great conversation with the doctor friend of yours. Okay, and to the point where I was like, I need to offer this service to my clients. Right, the the Christian husbands and dads who are battling these rocks of addiction, they're battling the rocks in their head, limiting beliefs. It's costing them their marriages, their faiths, their kids, etc. And and Perry, mark my words, my next three clients, I did that session with. Now I don't call it a Sozo session for trademark whatever. Yeah. I call it a Rafa session, right? <laughs> Rafa, which is the Hebrew word for God heals, meaning yeah. God does the healing. So my Rafa session, I did with these gentlemen, and I did exactly what she did with me and what you just spoke of, and I let God come up with the questions for them, and then God answered the questions. I didn't do any of it, and I was just kind of a, a facilitator slash participant slash viewer, right, in the audience watching this conversation between this individual and their maker. And what a surreal experience it was. And God revealed stuff from their childhood. I gotta make up, they couldn't make up. Answers that they've been waiting their whole life for. These men were weeping, just bawling in front of me. And God just set them free from whatever that thing was that was pinning them down, that heaviness, that rock. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am a believer in this. I've gotten to do it with many clients now. It's on my, it's in my program, my blowuprocks.com program. Um, 
So I, I just wanted to thank you for that because I wouldn't have been healed without you sending me this book, Memos from the Head Office, uh, without me following the, the rabbit hole uh, to find out what a Sozo session is and then booking that and, and taking the trust, that leap of faith that, God, you got me, right? I'm going to invest in this, but you got me? Like it's not some woo-woo thing? You got me? <laughs> And, and, and doing that opened up so much where I can now impact other people's lives in a way I didn't have before. It's a, just a new tool in the tool belt, so to speak. So thank you, Perry Marshall. I didn't see this coming. Wow. I'm, I'm speechless. What, this totally makes my day. Wow. Go God. With that, Perry, let's wrap up this show. We're speaking with Perry Marshall. You can find him at perrymarshall.com. Perry, welcome to my favorite part of the show, the confession round. You like that, don't you? <laughs> what? Uh, I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Uh, what is your favorite thing about God? The str- uh, Knock on wood, the strangeness of God. Like, now I say I like it, like, well, yeah, but every time you encounter something strange, it it freaks you out. So maybe you have to learn to like it, but there is so much more that is unknown. Yeah. You know, do you want God or do you want your idea of God? Like, well, we're going to have to put our ideas on the, on the chopping block. The uncontainableness of God, yes. right? The awesomeness. Yes. What's your least favorite thing about God? Um, <laughs> he has all these rules that you can't violate without consequence. They are so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just repeal gravity for like an hour? Yeah. I just wish, like, instead of we have to follow the Ten Commandments, God, can you just press a reset and go back to Genesis and let's start over so we don't have the fall? Like, that would be so much appreciated. I was speaking with a buddy at the coffee shop uh, last week or so, and uh, I was like, dude, because we just had my baby, and I watched a a very painful birth I shared with you offline. And I was like, I turned to him, and I was like, Johnny, when we get to heaven, because he's a fighter, dude. He likes to fight with his hands ever since he was a kid. I was like, when we get to heaven, we are going to find Adam. And we are going to beat the heck, beat the snot out of that guy, man, for all this human pain he caused for us. Sure, he blamed it on Eve, but God made the man answer to him. What are you most afraid of, Perry? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, I, I, you know, I think every, everybody's afraid of, you know, something bad happening to my children or or being tortured to death. I mean, it's like, it's really mundane, uh, you know, things, uh, that, that keep people up at night. It's, it's nothing. Uh, yeah. Speaking of keeping you up at night, what did you spend way too much time doing this past year? Way too much time. Um, I'm actually pretty happy with how I've spent the last year. Um, (laughs) It's not meant to be an accusation. Um, <laughs> well, I can. I, I've I've spent an awful lot of time uh, writing and researching and going down science rabbit holes, which I'm very happy about. Um, we got a cancer project. We got a virus project. We've got a conference. Uh, so um, I'm really enjoying that. 
a it's lot. Awesome. It's awesome. What secret fear do you have about people? Well, it's not a secret. It's, it's just you know, like how corrupt everything is. I maybe, maybe I have, you know, a, a fear that it can't be fixed, but, mm. but I also have faith that I have faith. If, if the world can come as far um, as it has in the last few thousand years, it could probably improve a lot more in in the ways that it's gotten better. So I, I, I hear you. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? How to listen. You know, when I grew up, I was not taught really at all yeah. to expect God to actually communicate in any verbally discernible fashion. Mm -hmm. um, and that would probably, I'd say that's, that's probably the biggest deficit of my spiritual upbringing is, oh, you know, you just need to read the Bible. It's like, well, yeah, but I, I, I think the number one purpose of the Bible is so that you recognize what that voice sounds like. So that when it speaks to you, you, you know, oh, you're like, oh, I know that voice. That was in Psalm 46, like that same, oh, okay, I get it now. I think uh, being able to believe that God still speaks to his children and then learn the spiritual discipline of how to shut up and <laughs> listen and listen is the biggest deficit in the Christian church right now in my two cents opinion and if we could learn that how to hear from our maker about our personal life and about society man this world would look completely different completely okay. different oh yeah what is a new habit you want to create in your life i just want to be more disciplined about the good habits i already have and and the bad habits that i you know fight against um, you know, I got my list of, you know, OCD tendencies and, you know, and all the rest. And um, really, it's sticking to the basics of what I already know. And what is one of those bad habits you want to break? Um, I want to be a little more consistent about fasting. It's one of the best practices. Spiritually and physically. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. So cool. Pick three words to describe who you are now, Perry. Um, trying to be a sage um, and an influencer and, and the, there's a degree of undercover. Um, and it's not, it's not that it, it's hiding, but it's not a secret. Like everything we've talked about today is sort of general knowledge, but a lot of times you do more harm than good when you use words yes. because words are loaded and words pigeonhole you in undesirable ways. For sure. You're almost quoting St. Francis of Assisi, a Catholic reference. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, Preach I, the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Um, people don't take that seriously enough. I People people need that verse printed on the inside of their t-shirt so that only they can see it. <laughs> well said. There's a new trend right there. 
<laughs> inside out t-shirt printing. Uh, pick three words to describe who you were before um, before that lady walked over to you and you had that prophetic, your first prophetic experience of hearing God's voice. Earnest evangelical trying very hard. <laughs> as best I knew how. Got it. And last question, if you could come back to life after you died, Perry, tell your family and friends only one piece of advice, one piece of spiritual advice about everything. What would you say to them? Uh, listening to the head office is the ultimate $10,000 an hour skill. Truth. Ultimate, you- your listening ear. Cultivate your listening ear, BC Nation. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about cultivating their listening ear to God? Start your day with no media of any form and put yourself in a contemplative space and listen and write and write whatever comes. Do not edit. Do not question. Do not think. Just let it come and probably it'll probably be like going into a house that's been sitting empty for six months and turning on the water. (laughs) A whole lot of sludge. Right. But like leave it running long enough and all the rest will come out. Right. And, and then like it's flowing Um, and just like do that every morning do that so if you if you do it until it works you won't want to stop well why would you ever stop if you got that flow happening that is a great metaphor for it by the way great metaphor perry how does bc nation get your book memos from the head office how do they learn more about you what do you have for them uh, you can go to perrymarshall.com slash memos. You can get three free chapters of the book. It'll also get you on the announcement list for when we do public memo sessions. Like we have memos people who who offer that from time to time. And uh, yeah, perrymarshall.com slash memos. Just get on the list and see what happens. And Perry, read, the chapters. read the chapters. Perry Marshall. Thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. Thank you. And to you. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on of bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then What I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. 
reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids. We lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.